by creating this credible risk of retaliation that every journalist who goes about their job has to consider and overcome in order to do their work, he's creating a barrier in his role as the leader of our government. Freedom of the press is at the core of our democracy. What do journalists do, though, when the president threatens their First Amendment rights? I'm Michael O'Connell, and this is It's All Journalism. On October 16th, PEN America, along with the nonpartisan nonprofit Protect Democracy and the Yale School Media Freedom and Information Access Clinic, filed a lawsuit against President Donald Trump for using the machinery of the government to retaliate and threaten journalists and media outlets that he doesn't like. Joining me today in studio is Christy Parker, a legal counsel with the Protect Democracy Project. Welcome to the podcast, Christy. Thank you for having me. This is great. I'm glad you came in studio for this because it's something, you know, as we were just talking a couple of minutes ago, I think is on a lot of journalists' minds, certainly a lot of journalists who who cover politics, but also are in the profession and sort of feel the pressure of having the leader of the free world criticizing our profession. So before we dive into the lawsuit, though, tell me a little bit about the missions of uh, Protect Democracy and PEN America. Protect Democracy is an organization that is centered around maintaining democratic institutions and preventing our country from sliding into a more authoritarian form of government. And PEN America is a is an organization that's been around for a long time. It represents writers, literary professionals, and uh, their mission is to celebrate and defend free expression around the world. Yeah, a lot of famous writers from long ago and up to today have been, I guess, a part of PEN America. Absolutely. Their current president is the Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist Jennifer Egan. So why did you and the groups that you represent, well, not you, why did the groups that you represent uh, decide to file this lawsuit? Well, so as I said, PEN's mission is to defend free expression. And a lot of their work has been happily not for the people that they've had to do it on behalf of, but for our our own country. You know, most of their work or much of it has focused on persecution of journalists around the world who operate in countries that do not have democratic governments and certainly do not have a First Amendment. They certainly have criticized our own government where it's been appropriate. They were out in front on various issues involving, you know, journalists and free press during the Obama administration, certainly during the Bush administration at the time of the passage of the Patriot Act. But by and large, a lot of their focus has been international. Penn has been very concerned since the advent of Donald Trump's candidacy by the attitudes he has expressed toward press freedom. So, for instance, dating back to the early days of his campaign, he started issuing threats that if he became president, he would use his government powers to retaliate against media entities that were critical of him. And he started singling out, again, from the very early days of his campaign, entities like CNN and The Washington Post. And since he has become president, he has continued with that behavior and has actually used his government powers to retaliate against media entities that he believes have criticized him or have covered him unfavorably. And Penn, of course, as an organization that represents writers, but also an organization that represents 
a fair number of people who actually work for some of the entities the president has directly targeted felt it very important to do something to make a stand about the fact that these things actually are not just a, a violation of norms by by this president, but actually things that violate our First Amendment. We talk about threats, but what actual actions has the president taken to use his governmental powers against the press? So the complaint details a number of actions the president has taken in four broad situations. And I, I would not at all suggest that his Actions are limited to these, but these are the ones that that the complaint we have filed focuses on. So, for instance, he has threatened to intervene in the merger of CNN's parent company, Time Warner, with AT&T. And his Justice Department actually did file a lawsuit to block that merger, and that case continues to be ongoing. He has also threatened on a variety of occasions— Jeff Bezos and Amazon because of Jeff Bezos's ownership of the Washington Post, which Donald Trump has called the fake news Washington Post, the Amazon Washington Post, and again, whose coverage he has found distasteful over the course of his presidency. He has also threatened to revoke the broadcast license of NBC in retaliation for, again, coverage he found to be unfavorable of his administration. And he has threatened to revoke the credentials of White House correspondents. And and indeed, a few weeks ago, the White House actually did bar a CNN reporter from covering a White House event. This is you would say that this is unusual for a president to do. This is not something that we've seen in other presidencies. Many of our presidents have certainly criticized the media. It is it is hardly uncommon for any politician to take exception to the nature of the media's coverage of him or her. That's part of our political discourse. What we view and what Penn views as different about this president is his seeming distaste for the whole notion of a free press. He has on various occasions expressed disbelief that the press is allowed to freely criticize him and has suggested that they shouldn't be able to do that. And what Penn and our lawsuit identifies here that we think is different from other presidents, even those who have done discreet things to undermine press freedom, is this is a president who really is using his the power of his office to retaliate against media entities for the content of their speech. And that that is something that is very disturbing in a democracy where the right to dissent is really the fundamental building block of any democratic society. I know that, for example, the AP complained when uh, the Obama administration had sort of pulled in the photography that it was it was releasing they were like oh the, we're not going to have press come in and, and shoot certain types of events we're going to have handle that all in house and we're going to distribute that out and you know that was not quite the same thing but it was it was certainly it was interfering with the ability of the press to to perform one of their major well their prime duty which is to you know monitor the government all aspects of it so you think that this is sort of different a different level so again, you know, I, I definitely want to point out that if the folks from Penn who were sitting here were sitting here with me, they would point out that those are the kinds of things that they would call out in any administration. So this isn't about politics. It's not about anything personal 
against an individual. But whereas previous administrations have done things to try to control coverage or to try to prevent government leaks that have, you know, impacted the day-to-day free workings of the press, this is really a much more broad-based effort to actually retaliate for coverage, to retaliate for content, to choose between media the president dislikes, which he seeks to punish with the government's powers, and, and occasionally to reward media entities that he likes better. And we see that as a fundamental change in course from you know previous behavior by average, everyday, normal politicians. So when we're, when we're recording this, this is a you know a week after a very news filled week, a uh, very disturbing week in which we had uh, mail bombs being sent to opponents of uh, President Trump, to CNN offices, to you know former officials who were appearing on C- regular contributors to CNN, and then also the the shootings in Pittsburgh, and you know the president comes out on Twitter, you know, and reacts to the negative press, you know, the, the press questioning his his influence, his role in the dialogue that, that maybe it produced this, these events or contributed to these events. Not saying not that he is responsible for them, but directly, but perhaps indirectly the rhetoric with, with which he puts out there and the way he attacks the press and demonizes his opponents. Um, how does how does this attitude, you, you talk about his attitude about, you know, not really consciousness or, or believing in, in the concept of a, of a First Amendment or a free press. You know, how does that, you know, what does that do to our democracy? I think there's no doubt that it's a very, it's a very dangerous thing for a democracy to have a president of the United States who treats the press and who talks about the press in the manner in which he does, because it seems very clear that his goal in doing that is to undermine the credibility of what they do with the general public and to undermine the notion that there is even such a thing as objective truth that people could ascertain. So to protect democracy and to pen and I think to anyone who cares about these issues is a very disturbing thing for the leader of a democracy and certainly for the president of the United States to be doing when we do have a First Amendment. Now, it's important to understand that the complaint that we have filed makes a distinction between things that the president says that fall in the category of rhetoric, even offensive and distasteful rhetoric, versus actions he has taken to use the government powers he oversees to punish the press. But all of these things are situated within a context, and certainly one of the reasons Penn found it important to bring this case at this time was because of the larger context within which the president's unconstitutional actions are situated. I'd also note that even if there are certain things the president says that are not directly actionable as violations of the First Amendment because they qualify themselves as speech, that does not mean at all that it's okay for the leader of our executive branch to denigrate freedom of the press and the First Amendment in the manner in which he has done, because he is the custodian of all of our laws. He takes an oath of office where he swears to uphold our laws, to defend our laws, to defend our Constitution, and to take care 
that the laws be faithfully executed. So when he actually denigrates the idea of press freedom in a First Amendment, that may not violate the First Amendment itself, depending on the context, but it certainly raises serious questions about whether or not he is upholding his oath of office. And and in part of that context, this idea of representing anything that the press says that opposes his stance or his opinion and labeling it as fake news, um, you know, you know, again, you're, you, that that's rhetoric. But but what it does is it kind of erodes people's trust, planting seeds in people's mind that the, the things you sort of alluded to that there that truth is not provable, that that, that evidence does not matter, and that objectivity is not something that's real. That that you you know it erodes truth. <laughs> right. Everything is fake. Nothing is real. And whereas I think it's fairly clear under our laws that the president or any politician simply saying the media is fake, you CNN, you're fake news. Uh, I think that's a very bad thing for him to be doing. I think Penn would say that's a very bad thing for him to be doing. It's probably not a violation of the First Amendment. But I would point out that there is a continuum. There's a scale on which these things operate. And it's not out of the question that this president is moving in a direction where, you know, the more hopefully these things do not keep happening. But we, as you said, you know, we just came off of a week in which there have been violent attacks, attempts on our media. There have been, you know, violent assaults on the people of this country, you know, murders of people because of, you know, who they are and uh, what they believe in. You know, the more these things are said in that context where he's doing things not simply to say this is fake, this isn't true, but when he moves in the direction of saying things like the media is the enemy of the people, he's suggesting, he's sending a message, hey, these people are your enemy. When you say somebody is your enemy, you know, the the people who hear that hear it in a certain context. And when they hear it on the heels of events like we saw last week, very violent incidents, violent attacks, that's a very different context. And it's something that, you know, I think we all need to be watching as this continues on. Certainly, hopefully it will not, but it's something to keep an eye on. And and another thing to point out is right after the Penn lawsuit was filed, just within hours even, the president went to a rally in Montana where he actually celebrated celebrated a violent assault of a reporter. You know, he talked about it as something that was he called the person who did that my guy. He mimicked the body slamming of that reporter. And he said, hey, this was something that probably helped him win an election. I mean, those are the kinds of statements that, depending on the context in which they're uttered, could themselves become something that the law should be concerned about. And that's something that I know that a lot of journalists are concerned about. They're concerned about their their own safety. What is it you're hoping to accomplish with this lawsuit? So what we're hoping to accomplish with this lawsuit, and first of all, let me articulate as clearly as I can what we think the harm is to journalists generally and certainly to the institutions and individuals the president has directly targeted. These threats of retaliation These acts of retaliation, while they may not have stopped the courageous journalists who work in this country, who, as you just said, you know, they do journalists go have a mission in their work and they do it because they believe it's important to report the news, to bring truth to people, you know, to be a a key component 
in the marketplace of ideas in a free society. They're continuing to do that in spite of these threats. The president has not yet succeeded, at least not fully, in suppressing this speech that he dislikes. But by by issuing these threats, by creating this credible risk of retaliation that every journalist who goes about their job has to consider and overcome in order to do their work, he's creating a barrier in his role as the leader of our government to journalists' ability to do their work. In a society where we have a First Amendment, journalists should not have to be worried about whether they're going to face retaliation from their own government in order to do their job. So just erecting that barrier on its own is a problem and a harm, even if it doesn't actually succeed in suppressing a story in a specific way. And we would all I think Penn is also very concerned and we at Protect Democracy are very concerned with not only the people at CNN, the Washington Post, who are obviously they work for major media companies who are well placed to defend their own First Amendment rights and to defend and the rights of their reporters and to protect them as best they can in situations when they're facing a climate of harassment. Um, We're very worried about the effects of these things on people who don't work for entities like that, people who might be freelancers, people who might work for smaller publications, who might well say to themselves, you know what, it's just not worth the cost to me to write this story that might catch the president's attention and to have that kind of retaliation come down on me or my organization. And that's a harm to everybody because there's speech out there that may not we may not be hearing because people are censoring themselves. And if you look back at the history of our courts and how they have interpreted the First Amendment, that is one of the key dangers that our courts have identified all the way through this risk of self-censorship that would impair all of our rights to have a fully free marketplace of ideas to participate in and partake of. You asked me what we hope to achieve here. The main thing we hope to achieve is we hope to stop the president from using his government powers to retaliate against media entities for their for their speech and to stop anyone who works for for the government from carrying out a retaliatory order by the president. And related to those two things, we are also seeking to have a court declare that these actions by the president, threatening to and actually using his government powers to retaliate against the media for its speech, actually violates the First Amendment. It's not merely an abnormal thing that this president's doing. It's an illegal thing. It violates the First Amendment. And to go back to your earlier point, this chilling effect that this rhetoric and these actions can can have on the press, not about, you know, the president, the current administration, but in my own life, I've seen, you know, being out working at a smaller paper and talking to people and them coming straight back at you with, oh, you're just a liberal media. You, You don't give anybody a fair shake. And so that... You know, people are affected by what certain media outlets may say or what certain politicians say, and they, it becomes part of their language and, and their perception of the press. And, you, you know, if you work at a small paper, you're the mem- member of the evil press that they can get their hands on, that they, that they can see, and that they're going to voice their general dislike of you, even though it's not based on your own personal actions. And that's a chilling effect. And, and the funny thing is, 
earlier this year, I had the opportunity to go to Tajikistan to, you know, this is part of the podcast. I, I, I talked about this before. That's, that's legitimate uh, dictatorship. And, you know, the, the country is ruled by the, the president and his family. And, you know, I had the opportunity to talk to journalists there and sort of see in my own way the short 10 days that I was there to see how they operated and, and their sort of, you know, feelings about operating a press in that where they didn't have the First Amendment. It was really kind of not pleasant. It was it was not it was not a reality that would be good for them. It's they were not a democracy. If you had a story or something that was critical of the press, you, you would go to jail. Or the people who um, who supported your news outlets, the advertisers, et cetera, who wanted to curry favor with the administration, they would you know make it difficult for you to you know function. So. What happens in, in that kind of environment is that the press is, is silent and there's no oppo- opposing vo- voice to the administration. So that's a real that's a reality. And that's not the it's not the only place that's happening in the world. And, you know, to be in a democracy, a democracy that's been sort of a leader in in freedom of speech for so long to see this sort of happen. You know, it's certainly concerning at the very least. It's very concerning. And I think it, when when you do look at what is going on around the world, the decline of democracy worldwide after what had been a period of democratic ascendancy. It's something that we in the United States have to be very concerned about. Our First Amendment rights are you know, part of who we are as Americans. And I think when we do look at what has gone on around the world, it's important for us all to realize that that is a precious right. And as some historians have pointed out, some of the folks Protect Democracy works with as our advisors, it's not inevitable. It was not inevitable that the United States became a democracy with a First Amendment. That was, you know, a series of actions that people took because they thought out what it meant to have a free society. And our our founders, you know, made a lot of mistakes and certainly weren't perfect. And we have not they didn't believe in their own ideals fully. And we haven't realized all of them. But one of the things I think that they were very right about was the importance of the right to dissent. And, you know, as historians have have clearly pointed out, it was not inevitable that Europe declined into fascism in the first half of the 20th century, and nor was it inevitable that democracies emerged during that post-war period. It's all about actions that people take in order to ensure that we are safeguarding democratic institutions and promoting them. And the United States, as you pointed out, has always been a leader in that realm. The United States has always been the country that people could point to when there was repression in the world and look to and say, America, condemn this. America, stand up for our rights. And when we get to the point where the world is no longer looking to us in that way, I think it's a it's a very disturbing first sign that we really need to take care of these precious rights that we have. Yeah. And I think what PEN America is doing, what protect uh, democracy is doing is the type of dissent, is the type of watchdog edness that that we kind of need. Christy, thanks for coming into the podcast. Sure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I'm Michael O'Connell, your host. I wanted to thank everybody who has signed up in the last few weeks for our weekly newsletter. 
If you have not done it, I encourage you to do so. You'll get the latest news about our podcast and uh, everything about upcoming episodes and possibly some live events that we're, we're trying, to, trying to book. So go to itsalljournalism.com, follow the link at the top of the page, and subscribe. It takes a lot of people to put together an episode of It's All Journalism. Nicola Grisco produced this episode. Amber Healy wrote our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music. Amelia Brust helped out on booking. And I'm, again, your host, Michael O'Connell. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks again for listening. The What's Working in Washington podcast with your host, Jonathan Aberman. We share this region's innovative, entrepreneurial, and creative spirit. This podcast tells impressive stories of passion and spunk taking place here in the D.C. region. It illustrates how the nation's capital is anything but the stuffy, bureaucratic, politics-only reputation it tries to shed. The What's Working in Washington podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast D.C. The Target USA podcast with your host, J.J. Green. Russia could render a huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile. That could touch the whole of the United States. ISIS. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to see an attack. This is J.J. Green. Join me each week for the latest on U.S. and international security on Target USA. The Target USA podcast. Find it on iTunes, the Podcast One app, podcastone.com, or at WTOP.com. Search Podcast DC.